Point of Impact podcast with Rick McDaniel. Thanks for joining us today. Get ready to be inspired and motivated to live a high impact life. Now, here's Rick. Welcome to the Point of Impact podcast. I'm Rick McDaniel. Thanks for joining us today as we continue talking about relationships. And we're going to focus on marriage, the, the single most important relationship. If you're married, that's that's the number one relationship in your life. And I look forward to talking with you about that. I've uh, a lot of experience with it. And uh, just, to, just to, you know, put my credentials out there, just for those of you that are wondering why uh, I'm going to speak so definitively today. Uh, I'm actually not even going to have any notes. This is all just stuff I have gathered over the years. It's, it's, it's in my head. Uh, but here, here, here goes over 30 years of, of being married myself, uh, having counseled hundreds of couples on marriage, having counseled uh, pre-marriage counseling with a hundred plus couples. So lots of marriage, haven't spoken on marriage multiple, multiple, multiple times. I could do a a whole series of episodes just on that. Uh, So we're just going to do one today. You're getting my best stuff. If I was going to boil it down into one, this is what I would. These are the very things I tell couples that are going to get married. Same things that I'm going to share with you today. So if you're going to get married or if you know someone who's going to get married, this is the episode to listen to. This is positively the episode to share with them because I'm going to give you five keys to a happy marriage and um, tried and true, tested research, uh, years of uh, practical application. Uh, This is as good as I can get for you in terms of marriage. So we're going to jump in in just a moment. But before we do that, I just want to talk about just a few other things. Uh, there is a new uh, version, the Bible app, the, the world's number one Bible app, little Bible icon, version. it's called. There is a new plan out of mine called Setback to Comeback, Setback to Comeback. And this is uh, something that I've, again, spent many years talking about uh, setbacks and all that goes into having a setback and why some people um, have setbacks. And more importantly, you know, how you can get to a place of having a comeback. And I, I just love sharing it because many people experience a setback and then they get discouraged and uh, they're hurting and they just think, gosh, what am I going to do now? But God's in the business of fresh starts, new beginnings, and resurrected dreams. And I want to help you with that. So it's called Setback to Comeback, five days of inspiration to start your comeback. And that's a free plan. So I would just encourage you to take advantage of that as, again, as well as share that with people that you know who need a comeback. And that is, again, available under the faith category on the Bible app, the version app, if you just go to that. And then, of course, I am on the Pray app. I'm on the world's largest Bible app and the world's largest prayer app. I'm on the Pray app with daily devotions. Uh, and some of you are listening on the Pray app to this podcast because the podcasts are also on there. So take advantage. If you're listening to the podcast, Jump over uh, on the channel section and uh, you can hear my daily devotions with Rick McDaniel Monday through Friday. Uh, Three minutes each day, each morning, preferably, but whenever you can do it and you can listen to uh, a devotion 
each morning. So that's out there. And then just one more thing on the National Day of Prayer, which will be coming up Thursday, Thursday the 5th, the National Day of Prayer. I'm going to be one of 20 faith leaders from around America that were asked to come together and very honored to be a part of such a group to pray uh, for our country, for our nation. And that's going to be on Pray.com. Speaking of the prayer app and Pray.com, it's also going to be on Faith Radio and Moody Bible and, and Radio and Moody Radio and who knows how many other others. But it's also going to be on television on the Daystar Network. So 8 o'clock, this is 8 o'clock. So Thursday, the 5th of May, 8 o'clock. You can watch it on Daystar. You can listen to it on the radio. You can go to it on the internet on pray.com. Listen to it on an app. There's a whole bunch of different ways to do that. So take advantage of that. And uh, I think you'll really enjoy that. It's going to be really good. And I've got, uh, I think, a very uplifting prayer about God's goodness to share. So those are all the different things that are taking place with Rick McDaniel. Also, just rickmcdaniel.com. That's the place to go to learn about all these different things that are happening. So let's just jump in. We've been talking about relationships. Last week was friendship, and and we've talked about uh, other aspects of myths about relationship, viruses, uh, and and now in relationships, and, and now marriage. And got one more for you next week on parenting. So if you're a parent, Gonna wanna, you're going to want to listen to that one, 10 battles worth fighting, 10 parenting battles worth fighting uh, for. So that's, that's coming up next week, but this week it's marriage. And so let's just begin with something that I saw uh, in Parade Magazine a while back. Why did people get married? And what was the reason they got married? 80% said they got married for love. There's, there's a shocker, 62%. Uh, said it was the right time in my life to get married and the same 62% said I didn't want to be alone. I'm not sure I didn't want to be alone is the rest the best reason, uh, but it's the right time and uh, it's the right person. Those are good reasons to, to get married. In that same survey, they then asked, why have people stayed married? Why have they stayed married? 71% said that deep love. So love got them in it and love kept it going. Uh, but interestingly, 73%, 2% more actually said companionship. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. In fact, um, um, it's higher amongst men than women, but um, men rate companionship as an important part of why they uh, uh, like to be married. I think it is a real misnomer. Get, getting ahead of myself a little here, but I can't help it. It's a real misnomer. Big, big misnomer amongst ladies, women. I'm telling you that you don't think that your husband is uh, into hanging out and companionship. And in fact, he is. You'd be surprised how many men enjoy it when their wives go with them uh, on whether it's uh, to a ball game, uh, on a fishing trip, um, lots of different activities. It's a big, bigger deal than I think many women realize. So companionship's big, but the love is there for sure. What do couples fight about? Well, you ready for this one? You ready for the shocker? Number one, finances. Yes, I wrote an entire book 
um, you got style and one of the chapters is called financial styles and invariably husbands and wives have different financial styles and that is the reason why they fight in marriage it's really very simple once you understand so if you want help with that i'd get the you got style book because uh, you got style is how discovering your personal style impacts your faith family finances and much more yes there it is that's the subtitle that's a book I wrote before the book that uh, is out now. This is Living Daily Inspiration to Live Your Faith. So that's the number one. And then household chores and sex are second and third. That's interesting because for years, surveys had the second reason was um, in-laws and family issues. So it's interesting to see that that's changed. Now, again, this is one survey. Another one may put it right back there that family and in-laws is a, a, a primary reason for arguments or for fighting. So one more, got to get to the bad news here. So f- the good news, I suppose, 56% said they would definitely marry the same person again. So that's a majority, but that leaves 44% saying they, you know, 44% saying they wouldn't. Um, that, by the way, 44% of women have thought about leaving their husbands. 31% of men have thought about leaving their wives. So there it is. And you may wonder what the difference is between that. And I would say that the difference is women have higher standards for relationships than, than men do. Um, that That is not uh, put down on, on men or, or, or women, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, women just simply uh, are more relational and so they have a higher degree of expectation about relationships. And since marriage is the number one most important relationship, it makes sense that they would have a higher standard for it. And thus, when it's not met, they would be more dissatisfied. Men are more um less relational and then more in the vein of going with the flow and uh, maybe not as putting as great a, uh, an emphasis on the relationship itself. And I think that that's my take on it, um, why I think there's a difference there between men and women. Okay, let's jump in here. We got five keys. We got to get rolling. Number one, the five to one rule. This comes from a University of Minnesota 20-year study on marriage. Massive, massive amount of information. I'm going to boil it down for you in a few minutes, but five to one. And what that simply means is that if you're going to be happily married, you have to have five positive experiences for every one negative experience. And before you, you know, go too far with that and think, gosh, how, how is that possible? Um, let's just use an example of like, say, uh, a weekend away on uh, the weekend away is not one the weekend away could have five it could have eight positive experiences 10 in one weekend so let's not just lump it all together you gotta you've got to look at it and say you know there were many positives that happened in that weekend from the shared laugh that we had to the nice dinner that we had to the romantic time and intimate time that we spent together you know to doing the the activity together you know there's all kinds of things in one weekend that could add up to positives that's the good news the bad news is that 
it doesn't take that much to be the negative. So, you know, the whole weekend doesn't have to be some sort of bust with multiple problems and arguments and disagreements and negative things and words spoken and actions that, again, can add up to five or eight or ten negative experiences so uh, you've got to kind of fine tune it a little bit there to understand but let's just boil it down to this five to one it's a big ratio and what I've said to couples for years is if you start feeling like things are not so great in your marriage the first thing you need to just ask yourself is what's our ratio what's our ratio and uh, I guarantee you the ratio is not five to one it may be two to one. And therein lies the problem because you've got to get to the place where you are having five for every one. And so, you know, that's that's intentionality. That's a job. That's that's you've got to really look at that, monitor it. And, and again, look for ways to create those positive experiences and to make sure you're having the positive uh, experiences and, and interactions. But it's a great overall barometer for you just to realize that it's it's got to be five to one to be happy. And if it slips to three to one, you're going to feel it. And if it gets to one to one, you're going to you're going to know you've you got major problems uh, and it, it, it won't be a surprise to you. You won't need to go to a marriage counselor, at least for that. You may need to go for uh, other reasons, but you can look at your situation and go, well, yeah, no wonder. No wonder we're here. We are not we're not doing the five to one. And, you know, you can use another way to think about this is the classic Gary Smalley deposits and withdrawals. Maybe that'll help you. Just think, can you can you overdraw your bank account and not be in trouble? No. You need more deposits than withdrawals. And again, think of it as five deposits for every one withdrawal. So maybe that's a way you can look at it and just ask yourself, was that a deposit or was that a withdrawal? And if you are at two to one instead of five to one, then just like money, you got to say, I got to I got to deposit more money. And maybe I got to make more money to deposit more money. I got to get a side hustle here. I've got to get multiple streams of income. Same concept. You've got to find ways to create more positive experiences. And they can be created, by the way. It's nothing artificial or phony about that. You can, and many times it's about planning. And maybe it's exactly that weekend, like you're really feeling it. And you need to just say, we need to have a weekend away. We need to get somebody to take care of these kids. If you've got children and we've got to go away and reconnect, maybe you need a full blown vacation, maybe um, and not a family vacation, but just the two of you. Five to one rule. OK, second one, greatest needs. So here's what I tell couples. I I tell them individually, identify your two greatest needs. Now, it's really important Two, not five, not 10 Two. what are your two greatest needs? For instance, the need for security or the need for affection or the need for respect or the need for praise or encouragement. And there are there are various listings. I have one that probably lists, gosh, like close to 15 different needs that you may have. And, and maybe you need to, to look at a list 
like that to identify it or, or maybe you don't. But what I tell couples is I'll I'll pop quiz you like on your wedding day, like I'll pop quiz you and say, we're not going to do this ceremony unless you can answer this question. What is your spouse's soon to be about to be spouse's top two needs? Because here's and this is big, but I'm going to say it and I can absolutely back it up 100 percent. Nobody no, okay, I'm going to qualify it. No mentally healthy, mentally well person ever leaves a marriage where their needs are being met. Does not happen. Doesn't happen. Goes against everything we know about human psychology. You do not leave a place where your greatest needs are being met. So, isn't marriage simple? Just meet your spouse's top two needs, and you're on your way. Easier said than done. Yes, easier said than done. But you can't do it if you first don't know it. That's got to be communicated. It can't even be assumed because you know what happens when you assume. So it can't be assumed. A husband needs to look his wife in the eye and say, the greatest needs that I have above all the needs in my life that I have that I need from you are respect and affection, just for instance. And the wife could say the greatest needs that I have above everything else is honesty and respect. OK, then now, you know, husband, uh, did I say honesty and respect? I'm sorry. Honesty and security. Can't use the, I don't want to use the same ones. So a husband knows, okay, this is what my need, what wife needs from me. Honesty, don't lie to her, don't deceive her, don't hide things from her. And security, I got to take care of the financial situation. I've got to, I've got to provide a secure environment for my wife. And conversely, the wife can look at her husband and say, I know that he needs respect. And we live in a culture that has, Woo, has really developed an incredibly disrespectful dynamic in media and arts and entertainment toward husbands, but I'm not going to treat my husband with disrespect. I'm going to treat him with respect and needs affection. So I'm going to be affectionate to him because I know that these are the top two needs that he has. And if the husband does that and the wife does that, you're going to be happily married ever after. It's just literally that simple. You have to meet each other's greatest needs. So you got to sit down and say, this is my, these are my two greatest needs. So there's no lack of clarity. And then you've got to spend the rest of your life working on making sure those top needs are met. All right. Third is another survey, but this one wasn't a 20 year study at the University of Minnesota. It was actually done more. It's really kind of a cool way of doing things. It was like a polling type dynamic that was used a research type dynamic. But here's what they did. They took only couples who'd been married for more than 25 years and self-identify as happily married. So not just people that have been married 25 years, but married 25 years happily. So they took all the winners, got the winners together, and they did a, a, a polling with them, a, a series of questions like a poll would have. And this was done by the Barner Research Group. And here is what 
they determined, and it follows a very interesting mind, body, spirit uh, kind of uh, continuum. Okay, so let's begin mind. The mind, it was communication, the mental, the thoughts, the communicating of thoughts. So people who are happily married for more than 25 years said they have good communication. They communicate well. They are able to say what they're thinking and what they're feeling, and they Conversely, their spouse is an active listener, someone who listens to them. So there's good communication and that communication is just enormously significant. My wife and I for years had something we called uh, our Friday lunch. We had a Friday lunch every week, every single week. Everyone knew it who worked for me, worked with me and on my staff. They all knew it. Um, my wife would show up uh, and we'd go to lunch. And that purpose of that lunch was to keep open. That doesn't mean we only talked once a week. It just means that was our chance to say, hey, here's what's going on. Here's the schedule. And uh, is there anything we need to talk about? Anything that's happened between us? that we need to clear the air, that sort of thing. Okay, the second body, and that is the sexual, the intimacy, sexual intimacy. People have been married happily for 25 years or more said they had a happy sex life, good sex life. Their sex life was something that they were pleased with and happy about, and having that part of their physical, part of their relationship strong is how they were able to stay happily married. The third, the spirit, is that the, the, the couple had a shared spirituality, which looks like they prayed together, they went to church together, they were committed spiritually to um, having, having a shared spiritual uh, uh, commitment. So they believed in going to church, they believed in prayer, they believed in living uh, a, a, a certain lifestyle, Christian lifestyle, and they had that shared spirituality. And those three, so the mind, communication, the body, the sex, the spirit, the uh, shared spirituality, those are, so there it is. If you want to know, you know, go to the winners. Here's the people who have been married a long time and they're happily married. And the research says these are the three keys. So it's stuff is absolute gold, 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 gold. There it is. So five to one greatest needs. The three, the top three, the mind, body, spirit. And then the fourth one is love languages. Knowing each other's love language. There are five love languages. There is the love language of praise, the words. There's the the love language of touch. That's like uh, hugging and and holding hands and things like that. There's the love language of presence, just being there for the person. There is the the love language of serving that's the kind of person that just does things for another person to show their love and there's the giving uh love language in terms of presence and gifts those are the five love languages and it is crucial that you know your love language and that you know your spouses there's a book called the five love languages by gary Chapman, so you can read that book uh, to understand it in greater detail. A huge best-selling book. Invariably, a husband and wife do not have the same love language. And so you need to understand your spouse's 
love language and your own love language. So that's number one. And then the second thing is that you then have a marriage where you understand what your spouse sees as love, even though it's probably not your love language. So if your spouse's love language is words of praise, then you're going to be a, someone who's complimentary, who says, uh, I love you. You're going to say those words because that's how they understand love. And then if your love language is, say, uh, presence, then your spouse knows it isn't about saying things or being uh, physical uh, and, and with touch and all these things that you just want them to be there for you and be there with you. And, and again, so many couples run into problems because they say, you don't love me. And what really they mean is you're not loving me the way I want to be loved or you're not loving me in the way in which I understand love. And so the easy fix to that is to understand each other's love language and then love each other in the language that your spouse understands. And being able to do that will just go a long, long, long ways toward keeping the love alive. You can go back to the parade survey that we started with, right? The number one reason people got married was love. And the number two reason they stay together is because of deep love. And so how do you keep the love alive? Keep the love alive through understanding each other's love language. That I think makes pretty good sense. Okay, there are so many more things that I could say, so many more that I could talk about within this uh, expectations, compromise, I mean, so many more, but can't get into all those today. The final key, though, I want to talk about totally unsexy and something that I say every time I marry a couple, I say this to them and I want to say it to you, and that the fifth key is work. You have to work at the relationship. I know that that there's this idea that love and work don't go together. And, you know, the classic sort of incredibly incorrect line from Love Story, the movie, you know, that, you know, um, basically it, it, love, you know, love is, is shouldn't be hard. It shouldn't be an effort. That was also a line in there about love means you don't have to say you're sorry, which is another really bad piece of advice because uh, that's a whole nother part we could talk about being uh, forgiving of one another and understanding no one's perfect. But if we could just put it into one category and just say you have to work at your relationship. Why? Well, because you're different genders, because you're different in your personality, because you have different backgrounds. That's a lot of different and when you have all that different going on, then it's going to take effort to get past all the different so that you can make it work. So to make it work requires work. It takes effort. And if you don't think you have to work on your relationship, you have bought in, you know, to the lie. You've you've drunk the Kool-Aid. You've watched too many rom-coms. You've read too many romance novels. You know, that's not how it works. It takes effort. It just does. 
And the moment that you stop working on your relationship is the moment that the relationship will begin to falter. It will not stay strong without concerted effort. So you just have to understand that. And again, sometimes the the work looks like, to go back to the earlier analogy, uh, we've got to get away. Like, I've got to plan this out, got to get this planned out. Someone's got to take the lead, you know, where, here's where we're going to go. Here's where we're going to stay. Here's the dates. We're going to get it all together, put in the effort so that we can create an environment where we can have a lot of wins, a lot of deposits. Things can go very well. That's what's needed. And, you know, it's amazing how like one of those things or even longer, like kind of vacation, you know, and it's amazing how you can come off of something like that, get out of the stress, get out of the day to day and just really relax and remember why you are married in the first place and what attracted you to each other and how you just can really kind of rekindle everything. Sometimes the work means you've got to go to a counselor and have somebody help you. With it, Sometimes the work means you've got to go to a marriage conference, spend a couple days learning. Sometimes it means reading a book on marriage or listening to something like this podcast episode, all those things. But you got to work at it and work on it for it to work out. But if you do that, it will. So there's much more I could say, but man, this is like five golden nuggets for you. This stuff works. It has been tested, tried, and proved. Again, some you're talking about massive 20-year studies. Others are, are, you know, entire polling was done. Others were talking about looking, you know, again, at what the winners have done or just my own experience in terms of my own marriage and other couples. This stuff works. Put these five keys into practice in your marriage and you will have a happy marriage. You will not get divorced. It will work out well for you. I hope you do it. I'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Point of Impact podcast with Rick McDaniel. Thanks for tuning in and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.